Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is your co-host, Luke Zimmerman. Um, and we're having cheeseburgers in paradise here in the Coffee with Clara show. Yummy, yummy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is your other co-host, Melissa Myers, for Coffee with Clara. And uh, if you're not already sensing a theme of how Luke and I roll, this should be a indicator of what today's show is all about. That's right. So... Uh, this is the second installment of our current series, um, When the Going Gets Tough. The tough get going. That's right, baby. Um, and we are talking about mass care today, right? So That's right. Last week, we talked about preparedness. That was fun. It was with Sound the Alarm, all that wonderful stuff. Uh, and today, yeah, and today we're talking about mass care. But Luke, you forgot already, again. Oh Oh my gosh! I so I thought it was only appropriate that we reach out to our sponsors for Coffee with Clara, and today we're sponsored by. Can you guess? Do you know? It's it was right right in the title. It's all right there. Really crappy, tarry black Red Cross coffee. <laughs> There's no such thing. Actually, that's like the best stuff. Is like if it coats it, you know, it's like you're drinking. That's the good stuff. That's not that's the right. bad stuff. That's right. No, we are sponsored. We're going to be sponsored by cheeseburgers today. Cheeseburgers. I love it, baby. Or the ham sandwich. How about that? We're sponsored by, we can be co-sponsored cheeseburgers and ham sandwiches. How about just sandwiches in general? Sandwiches in general. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Sandwiches because, in general. That's our got, sponsor. You got your cheeseburgers. You got your bacon cheeseburgers. You got your turkey burgers, right? You we got do, your, pork, you are- your pork patty burgers. You got your ham sammies. Your turkey sammies. Um, I mean, it's just endless. It, like it's 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 the food pyramid, right? It, all your food groups covered. And and for those of you that may not know this or have not caught on, Luke likes food. Um, he's very <laughs> passionate about it. <laughs> he enjoys sandwiches. He likes to compare things to tacos, burritos, <laughs> sandwiches. Those. He's, those are the best analogies, right? It's the universal language. It is universal. Yeah, I, I do think that on one of the conference calls you and I said on, you legitimately compared whatever it is that we were talking about, which I don't even remember anymore, but legitimately compared it to a burrito, right? Something yeah. about lettuce and beans and... Yeah. <laughs> I don't you know what? If, if you don't think of burritos when you work for the Red Cross... I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yes. If you're not thinking about burritos right now, you probably should get on the same page as Luke because that's where his head kind of constantly lives. Man, I could get me some Qdoba right about now. Tell you what. <laughs> anyway. So talking about mass care today, which is not just feeding, which is what I think Luke might like it to be. It's not just about feeding, but mass care altogether. Um, feeding sheltering right this is number one thing that the red cross does we shelter uh distribution of emergency supplies formerly known as bulk distribution so now it's des d's and dog des distribution of emergency supplies and then our reunification program too 
which before that was known as Safe and Well, right? Right, Safe and Well Linking, absolutely. Old school it up. Way to go. We like to kind of come up with new things. Whenever somebody gets used to something, we decide, hey, you know, it'd be a great idea. Let's change the way something is worded, right? That's, yeah. So now it's distribution of emergency supplies yeah. and reunification. Which I, or, I mean, reunification um, sounds better to me. I kind of like that, right? Versus safe and well linking. Yeah. Yeah, I could agree with that. I like both better, though, from DES. It's a mouthful. The distribution of emergency supplies. That's why we say DES, the same reason why we say Stasel. You're the only people in the world that says Stasel. No one Don't, else says that. It's, it's catching on. It's spreading like wildfire. Stasel. No, nobody else says that. Anyway, um, so, yeah, mass care, that's kind of a pretty big one, right? You got feeding, you got sheltering, you got uh, DES and reunification. Um, that's pretty cool. A couple things I I do think that it's it's pretty relevant right now, and it's it's you know I hate for disasters to happen. Yeah, you know I think that talking about mass care is a really relevant point, for, especially for this week with everything going on in Hawaii, right? All of us see this volcano is erupting, we have people displaced, and so I think that it is really important to talk mass care because this is what we do first and foremost, right? We feed, we shelter. Um, we distribute cleanup supplies after disasters happen, not that there'll be much left over from lava, um, but uh, it is really a good point and very relevant right now about what it is that we do. That's right. Um, so with mass care, it's, it's, the way I like to think of it is that it's that immediate response, right? So last week we talked about preparedness uh, and why it's so important to prepare you for a disaster, uh, whether it be a home fire or a tornado. Um, but when it comes time to actually responding, the very first thing that we do as an organization is we open up shelters, right? People have to have somewhere to go to uh, after immediately after a disaster, right? Um, so with that, we have our very first guest here. Uh, his name's Paul Sebing. He's, he's a longtime uh, Red Cross volunteer uh, right here in uh, Quincy, Illinois. Um, and um, I think you said you've, you've done some stuff in sheltering before, right, Paul? Yeah, I've done a lot of different sheltering. Um, I probably did a lot of different things with the Red Cross at the beginning, but then I kind of found my niche in sheltering where I find the most satisfaction. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to okay. try to mix things up a little bit. Um, true or false, Paul? True or false? Okay. The American Red Cross is a government agency. No. That's the, no. That's, that was a you, false. Did he get it right, Melissa? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. No, no, Paul, you're completely right. Uh, you know, Luke, you're kind of playing like class time with Clara with Paul right now is what you're doing. Okay. And so it's kind of like going back and forth of, the, of our questions for class time with Clara, just starting to ask him about what the knowledge base are of the Red Cross. But um, yeah, I, I didn't say welcome, Paul. Paul, thank you so much for being here with us on Coffee with Clara. Hello, all the way from Wisconsin, down in Quincy, Illinois. So so are we in class time with Clara now? Yeah, we're kind of in class time with Clara there. Right. So, 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 Paul, class time with Clara is where we put our guests, their knowledge up against me. Well, that shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right. So, so we're going to see who the true... 
class time with Clara champion is. Um, who's going to get the straight A's in Clara's classroom? Well, you you have all the answers. Well, <laughs> Luke oh. does like to cheat, Paul. I would probably keep everything like put your arm around your answers, like hide it from him because he he's not he's willing to cheat just to win. Well, I don't right. play cards with him. All right, all right, Melissa. So so quiz me. I'm ready. Okay, so that was that was Paul's question. Now your question, Luke. Um, class time with Clara. Approximately, and I'm going to give you multiple choice here. Approximately, what percent of the American Red Cross national workforce is performed by volunteers? Is that 60%? Is it 10%? Or is it 96%? You know, I do a lot, a lot of work. Um, I mean, I alone probably equate to 10% of the staff's workforce myself. But, no, Luke, I think you alone equivalent to probably a, a, the large amount of BS. I, 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 I equivalent to about a negative percentage. Of, <laughs> no, you don't do that either. Um, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 96%. Absolutely. You're right. And we've talked about this before, and I think that's, Paul, why it's so great that you're here with us is that we want volunteers. This podcast is for volunteers. We want volunteers on. We want to hear about the work that you're doing uh, and hear about your stories, too. So that's that's a one for you, Luke, and a one for Paul. Remember, Luke, I promised you that I wouldn't school you all the time that it was classroom with Clara. Well, I, I can't go to I can't be schooled that much because I'm going to end up in detention. So we don't want that. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, Paul, this this next question is for you. How many activities are there in mass care? So, if you think of group activity position, the group is mass care. And I'm going to give you a hint. One of them is sheltering. Can you tell me the other ones that, how many other ones we have in mass care? Well, you have um, food. Feeding. Yep. You have a distribution of uh, supplies. That's right. Um, and one more. One more. One more. I can't remember. I can't remember. It had an older name. Now it's a newer name. Oh, that's that reunification. That's right. Mass care reunification. Good job, Paul. You got a point, too. You got a point. Point. You got a point. And the last questions are double or nothing. So, like, if you answer the, re the the last question wrong, then you lose all your points. But if you answer it right, then you get double the points. I Right, Luke? That was what you made up last time? That's, that you what, I, that's what I made up last time in order to have a chance to win. But um, <laughs> depending on the show, if I'm in the lead, then that rule doesn't count. So Then the rules change. I see. All right. Um, so then, Luke, I'm going to ask you a question. Your next question is, the Red Cross is part of a global movement that offers humanitarian aid to victims of war and natural disasters. Is that true or false? Yeah, I'm going to say it. that's a big that's a big T for true. That's a big T. Yep, that's true. Absolutely, Luke, you're completely right. These questions are a lot more fair than last week. I, I just have to say that. I'm proud I, of you. I'm proud of you. So here's the thing is that last time I went super hard, this time I'm going super easy. And somewhere in between, 
I'm we'll actually figure out what's fair questioning for you, Luke. Okay. All right. So Paul, your next question. Where are where is the Red Cross has headquarters located in the United States? I'm going to take a wild guess. Besides here in Quincy, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe Washington. <laughs> That's right. Besides Quincy. Besides Quincy. Yeah. Besides Quincy. Right. We are. Around. That's right. We, we are pretty important here in Quincy. Just that. Yes, yes. I mean, you have to. I mean, your football team is so sad. You got to really build up your city. So. Well, I mean, we're pretty far away from Chicago. You know, we really, we're closer to St. Louis, um, and they don't have a football team anymore. So. What? They have the St. Louis Rams. The Rams moved to L.A. a couple years ago. That's a bummer. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're a true Green Bay fan if you don't keep cheese up on your – come on. Been eating too much cheese. Do, that That's a very real possibility. <laughs> but, Paul, you are right. So our, the Red Cross headquarters in the United States is in Washington, D.C. Now, right now, Luke, you need to get this last one in order to be tied um, with Paul – uh, or you need to, or if you if you miss this one, then you lose your class time with Clara for yet another week in a row. So is this like a lightning round? Uh, no, it's not a lightning round. <laughs> not a lightning round. It's it's the last. It's the last question. I don't know, Luke. It's whether you win or lose. All right. Okay. So I'm going to totally throw you off a little bit, and this is not going to be Red Cross related. It, okay. It's not Red Cross related. No, it's not Red Cross related. No. This is the Daily Double. This is the Daily Double, right? Jeopardy, whatever you want to watch. Yeah. Okay. What is the largest freshwater lake in the world? No cheating. Largest freshwater lake. Yep. In the world. The entire world. The whole planet. The big round globe. I'll give you a hint. It's somehow tied to me. Is it Lake Michigan? Oh my gosh, you were so close. No, it's actually Lake Superior attached to northern Wisconsin. Wah, wah. Wow. Know if they completely... <laughs> Paul said they... that one. Oh. Well, you lost. But fun fact, if they if they drained Lake Superior, it would cover the United States and South America in a foot of water. Wow. It's a deep baby. That's that's a lot of water. I know, largest freshwater lake in the world, the whole globe. Yeah. So, I threw that out there because um because I do enjoy when our guests win. I feel as though you did a great job, Paul. Thank it was you, Paul. so fun. And, and my prize. <laughs> yeah, what does he win, Melissa? Thank you. Um, how about I send you a cheese head pin? Oh, oh, good. There we go. Cheese head pin for you, Paul. Okay. Uh, and Luke carries on his uh, his losing streak. So. Um, Typical Bears fan. We're used to it. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, that's that's it. Coffee with Clara. Second time done. Great job, you guys. Yep. I went to school. I got schooled. You did get schooled. Sorry. Yeah. Wah, wah. So what? So what's next? Now that we have Paul here on the show. Um, we, we've we've pretty much decided that he's 
Um, he has to be a genius if he beat me in any type of trivia. So, uh, uh, yes. yes, he has to be a genius if he beat you, Luke. Yeah. Long, long-time Red Crosser has been on, on a lot of deployments, right, Paul? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen deployments. Um, yeah. Where have you so, gone, Paul? Where haven't I gone? Sometimes um, I started out in uh, North Dakota and I ended up in Louisiana and. Been to Georgia, um, Missouri a few times, Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia. So wow. a lot of southeast states. Yeah, I think there's a pattern there. I'm waiting for Hilo call. Hilo, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hawaii is a realness about however that that volcano keeps erupting. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see it how big it gets and how many people are displaced. So I think that it's like a rite of passage that every Red Cross volunteer that deploys has deployed to Louisiana at least once. What do you think, Paul? Is that right? I think so. I think there's uh, always been a big need in Louisiana for a lot of Red Cross workers. So yeah. Very dedicated Red Cross workers. Yeah, that's true. So Paul, tell me about out of those 16 deployments um, in sheltering specifically with mass care, Tell us about one that kind of really stands out in your mind. Oh, probably the one that stood out in my mind the most was inner city Baton Rouge, where we basically had to be bussed in and bussed out. Wow. So, um, it was the poor of the poor and a very rough neighborhood. But the nice thing was they appreciated the Red Cross when they came in. I got a lot of... Um, uh, exercises in, in uh, diversification. I um, got to know a lot of people down there and, and found out that most of the time, if you treat a person right, they're going to treat you right. So a lot of uh, a lot of hard people, but a lot of nice people down there. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful story. How long, what, what, after, uh, what disaster was that? Was that Katrina or was that something after that? I mean, or just the flooding? I think it was, think it was Gustav. Oh, Gustav. Okay. Gustav. Yeah. There's a throwback. Yep. Throwback there. Throw, well, it's Monday. What yeah. can I say? Throwback Monday. Throwback Monday. Yeah. No, Gustav. Got it. Yeah. I deployed actually when I was in AmeriCorps, I deployed with the Red Cross and I went after Katrina. Oh, you did? Um, and went, I went, um, I was actually just past the lower ninth ward. We worked our way back around and that was where I was stationed. And it was, um, it was really hard to see all those folks in such high need and um, just the, I, I've never seen, I, I still to this day have never seen, granted I didn't go to Harvey, I didn't go to Irma, I did a stay deployment if you will, I supported our volunteers back here, but um, you know, it, it was just absolutely remarkable and, and such high need, especially in mass care. I mean, they talk about mega shelters, which is something we haven't talked about. Have uh, Paul, have you ever seen or been in a mega shelter? No, I think the most I've ever been in is about 180. Okay. Um, those of you that don't know, uh, mega shelters um, is a term that we utilize here in the Red Cross, and it just means that it's a shelter that is um, accommodating thousands of people at a time. What was it in Harvey, Luke? Help me remember. We had a, a couple mega shelters down there. Yeah, I think it, it was um, in the George R. Brown Convention Center down in Houston. I think they had, what, 10,000 people or close to 10,000? Right? Yeah, if you can imagine that. It's like going to a, a football game, a soccer game, except 
all those people are completely displaced from their homes. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And then what we're doing inside is mass care, right? We have to feed everyone that's there. We have to make sure everyone has a blanket, yep. um, a cot that uh, they get the information that they need, that we have uh, health services on in there. We have disaster mental health to help them, you know, um, with coping with what they're going through. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of different things that, that ties all back into that mass care point, which is just remarkable. I mean, the Red Cross does it like no one else does. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, um, mass care really to me, that's that's um, boots on the ground. That's the front lines. That's what we do, right? Um, if we don't do that well, um, nothing else matters, right? We, 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 we are mandated to shelter those in need, right? That's, that's, that's the, whole point of the, or the whole point of this organization is to provide immediate relief. Um, and everything else, honestly, uh, is secondary and it supports mass care, right? Logistics gets you the supplies. External relations helps you communicate with other partners for mass care services. Uh, information and planning helps to coordinate all activities to support mass care. Um, to me, it's 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 uh, the uh, quote-unquote infantry, so to speak. Well, I think that uh, sheltering is the face of Red Cross. I mean, that's the first time that they're, they've had anything like this happen to them. So they're going into a shelter. They're not quite sure what's going to happen. So it's up to us to make sure that they have a not necessarily a good time, but a very uh, educational time that we are there to help them in any, you know, need that they have. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely needed out there. And Paul, thank you for all you do for the Red Cross. Uh, you know, our folks wouldn't be able to like like Luke said, I mean, you're the first ones that they're probably talking to, um, you know, if they're scrambling to get out of their homes really quickly, you know, they're grabbing what they can and they're headed out and they're headed to a shelter. So, yeah. So, so Paul, I, I, I have one more question. How long have you been a volunteer with the Red Cross? Uh, let's see. I came on in 2006, so it's 12 years ago. Okay. So you're married, right? Yes. So tell me, give me some advice. Me being just a young Red Crosser, I'm married, I have kids. Tell me how you're able to stay married and with the Red Cross at the same time. <laughs> Whenever I put down my availability date, when the call came in, I... I, well, my wife knew when, what my availability date was. So I would always say, you know, they need help. What do you think? And she would say, go. Yeah. And anything local, she actually goes with me then and oh. helps out. So that's nice. And I think she recognizes the need uh, of the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. So um, all my kids are grown, so they all know I'm in the Red Cross. So <laughs> um, yeah. I think that. Um, if you're going to deploy, I think you really have to sit down with your spouse and, and say, look, this is what happens and this is what I, I really feel like I, I'm called to do. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Paul, you bring up a good point. A lot of times we have a lot of volunteers that do this with their significant other, right, as, as, as a form of serving others together. Uh, so many um, volunteers um, go on our emergency response Melissa, in case you didn't know, we're herbs. That's what herbs is for. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you, Luke. I appreciate that. You're, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, a lot of our volunteers will go and deploy together.
uh, which is, you know, it seems to make it worthwhile. So, I mean, yeah, if I keep telling my wife, hey, honey, I got, you know, another overnight stay here. I got to go to some conference in Minneapolis. I got to do this. She's like, well, hey, I, we got three young kids, right? And I'm like, I love you so much. And you're <laughs> the most amazing woman in the world, right? So kind of trying to set myself up for success as much as I can. Well, I got to tell you guys. So I love that you bring up the spouse thing. So when I'm making the phone calls, it's myself and uh, deployment officers. And we'll talk about more about availability and, and some of this, um, you know, actually doing de deployments in a little bit. But um, when I'm calling and the husbands or the wives are the ones answering the phone or it's the spouse, the significant other that's agreeing to go on a deployment, I make sure, well, make sure that you're you're thinking, you know, whoever their significant other is, because it really is not only you giving your time to the Red Cross, but to Luke's point too, it's really important because those that are of those significant others that are staying home, that are taking care of the kids, that are paying the bills, that are taking care of the house, that are doing the day to day, are part of this as well, and they're without their support of the volunteers, we really wouldn't be able to provide this mission, right? There's a lot of spouses out there that's probably like, look, man, we got three small kids and, and by um, that other person holding down the fort while that, that um, you know, their significant other is gone for two weeks. That's yep. a, a really big part too. Yep, definitely. Takes uh, a village, right? Takes a village. It takes, it takes a village. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I feel like the village idiot, but it still does take a village. <laughs> uh, yes, sometimes. So Paul, only sometimes we're very happy to have you on our podcast um and uh i guess for you do you have any other lasting words of wisdom that you want to leave us with before you go i'll leave you with a story okay okay one of the things i think a shelter worker not just a supervisor but a shelter worker needs psychological first aid and i'll give you a story i was in kentucky and this lady had a baby and two small children and and she tried to feed them all at one time and the baby got fussy and she was very concerned because the wind was picking up a little bit and she could kind of hear the morton building here and there so finally somebody tried to take the baby you know and she wouldn't let them so finally i went up and i told her and I am certified grandfather in handling small babies, and I can get that baby to be quiet. And she just gave that baby up. And luckily, the baby started to stop <laughs> Yeah, you set yourself up there. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that really came in handy was when the wind, wind really picked up. She grabbed her kids, the, the other two, and ran into the bathroom and stayed there until we could talk her out of there. Because once you go through a tornado, wind really bothers people, especially in a Morton building that's creaking and, and everything else. So that that's my story. And, and I always insist that, you know, psychological first aid should be mandatory for all shelter workers. That's right. I think that that's a good point, Paul, because I think, you know, psychological first aid, those that haven't taken the class, regardless, across the board, it's a great class for everyone to take. But I think what's so great is that, um, not only is it psychological first aid is, is kind of like understanding or seeing what some of our clients may need in that shelter, 
Um, if they've been through a disaster before or just got done going through a tornado and are in a shelter, recognizing that they are maybe going to be a little bit on edge if they another thunderstorm comes through or that wind really is picking up. But the other side of it then too um, is for ourselves and helping ourselves recognize psychological first aid as well. I mean, um, I, I send folks to my story. I sent folks to the more Oklahoma um, tornadoes was the EF5 that that wiped out the a school and, and neighborhoods and um, sent a lot of people down there. And then it was like two, three days later, it was the El Reno, which was right by that El Reno EF5 tornado that basically did the same thing in, in just the neighboring city. Um, and I had folks down there that they they watched the this tornado touch down. They watched cars float away from the flash flooding. But that psychological first aid by really not only to assist our clients, but then to assist each other and ourselves in, uh, in understanding that if we have the same experience, um, right, if it's a tornado, a tornado can come two days later, uh, understanding when we need to, to stop and ask for help and, and self-identify that something may be bothering us as well. So that's a great point, Paul. Thank you for bringing it up. Yep. Thank I you, I think Paul. one of the other things that I try to tell people, because I also teach sheltering, is you have to remember if it's local or national, these people are in a position that you never want to be in. Mm -hmm. So always, always look and be very sympathetic to what uh, these people's emotions are, because I wouldn't want to be in that position. So definitely, definitely. Well, Paul, we're happy to have you. Um, you're welcome back anytime. If you want to have coffee with Clara and Luke and Melissa, um, wonderful guest in the show and uh, I just want to thank you for um, your years of service and but also more importantly the amount of people that you've helped uh, during that service so thank you uh, that's why we do what we do yeah that's why we do what we do yep thanks so much Paul we appreciate you see thanks. you later thanks Paul yep so everybody that was Paul Sebing um, our guest and uh, what an amazing story he has amazing volunteer um, that speaks to not only mass care, but why sheltering um, is so important to our very mission, to our, our very organization, and, and how he can impact so many people. Um, and next we have our next guest uh, here with me. Uh, her name is Carol Mitten, um, and she is my onboarding and placement lead. Uh, yes. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and talk. Hi, Carol. Welcome. We're happy to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been doing this uh, function for about two years now mm -hmm. already. Earlier, I uh, was working with SAF, Services to Armed Forces, and I just wanted to do something a little bit more and happened to drop in the office. And anyway, bada boom, bada bing, I got to <laughs> And bada boom, bada bing. I love it. <laughs> and so here two years later, uh, I've been just very blessed with being a part of this organization as far as, I mean, to be um, able to talk to new people coming into the Red Cross. I'm not the first person usually that they talk to coming in. Sometimes they talk to volunteer yeah. services, sometimes not. And so then with me uh, getting to talk to them, um, it just to see what their interest is. Uh, we are we encourage new people if they're open to anything. We get into sheltering, mm -hmm. you know, and, and working with dat dat, 
And so I, my contact with them, I, as I say, I talk maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most and um, get an idea, get a little background. And uh, then if they, and then I, to find out what their interest is. If they don't want to do sheltering, then we look at other things like maybe recovery, casework, um, or helping with sound the alarm. Yep. So we just go over some of the other programs. I don't go into detail and say that the DPM or DPS will do that. And we get into the acronyms and then all oh. of a sudden people get confused. Yeah. And... No, I don't use them with them. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, use them yeah. with them, yep. but I said the staff person yes, will yes, give, be able right. to furnish more details. Yep. Yep. Now, do you know that here on Coffee of Clara is that if we say an acronym, Luke or I, so how it works is if Luke says an acronym, and he doesn't spell it out that he owes me twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. If I say an acronym and I don't spell it out, Luke owes me twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So either way, I owe people money, um, yeah. and it's it's a uh, Melissa wins, I lose, and I lose and Melissa wins type situation, which I've never figured out who made up these rules, but. But um, I come from a world of acronyms. I worked for Department of Defense, mostly for the Army, oh, wow. uh, in my civilian career uh, before um, moving here to Illinois. Yeah. So Quincy, we're so, in Quincy right now. Yeah. So what was it like when you kind of um, came over to disaster services from service the armed forces and, and um, all those acronyms were thrown at you? Uh, it was a little much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, holy cow, what yeah. am I going to do here? But... Um, I had enough reference reference material to read, and uh, I asked a lot of questions more than once. Yep. And good old Luke was uh, <laughs> was uh, very patient with me, and yeah. but it was amazing. Uh, I mean, I did pick up on it, yep. you know, from coming from the because field. you're 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 really the first person that new volunteers talk to from disaster services. Yes, right. So you're yes. the very like you're the person that greets them in the door. Um, and talk to me how about about how cool that is that that you're gonna you're the first person to initiate years and years and years of service and impacting thousands of lives. I mean, we just talked to Paul. He's been on what 16 deployments, wow. right? Uh, the amount of lives that he's impacted has you know it's mm -hmm. astronomical. Mm -hmm. And you know, you and your role, you're you're able to open that door for those new people and facilitate them doing that, right? It is amazing. Um, I, it was such a, uh, interesting title that I was given, you know, <laughs> onboarding and placement lead, you know, okay. But it basically is, yeah, talking with the new volunteers and, and, uh, my husband said, I, I have never met him a stranger and I have, of course, but, uh, people all start from, you know, they don't know what they're wanting to do or yep. can do or, or would be interested in. So um, we don't pin, you know, pinpoint them yep. at that point, you know, or make them commit to something. And I says, you know, you can always change. Uh, the other thing that really got me interested in helping with, with Luke is that um, I'm not physically, I got a problem with a, a bad hip. Anyway, so physically, I'm not able to go on DAT myself mm -hmm. or to help um, people in, in uh, a disaster situation. But 
my role in this, I feel at least I'm doing a part to at least get the people trained to be yep. able to go out and help the other people, yep. you know, that need it. And so this is just my, uh, in the background mm -hmm. <laughs> that, um, is done. Yeah. Uh, also I have, um, situation with my husband in about the last year and a half that his health is where I can't, um, be away from him a great deal of time. So I tell people my, this job, volunteer job is the best ever. I don't have to comb my hair, brush my teeth. You know, I can do it from home. Um, I can, you know, get on the computer and the phone and mm -hmm. get all this work done. They don't know if I'm in the Red Cross building or not. Yep. Uh, I have a Red Cross uh, email account so they know I'm uh, legit. And, yep. and so I've never, I only had one older person question me initially and I, and I thanked them for questioning me yeah. and I says, you know, you can call me back on this and, you know, as far as how I was connected and ask, asking questions and yeah. after a few yeah. minutes he, and he understood that. But, um, so it's working to my home situation really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I make it in uh, when I can and see Luke here in the office, yep. but uh, I can do everything from home. Yep. And there's so many different cool things about everything that you're talking about that I really kind of want to pinpoint for other volunteers that are listening to this. So, you know, just like we talked about before, it takes a village, right? It takes a village yep. to support people during times of disaster, meaning if you have a spouse, uh, and you're deploying, they're the ones that are staying back and taking care of the home and the kids and the day-to-day the -day life while you're gone for two weeks helping others, right? That's part of it. The other part is folks like you, Carol, which is so, so important. I mean, just day in and day out, so important. We, we call it workforce engagement. Your specific title within that is onboarding and placement. Again, if you would like to move to Wisconsin, I have I have a cushy place, a nice pad here in La Crosse. Um, I would love to, you know, Luke is a great guy, but Wisconsin's pretty cool. Uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, um, it, it's folks like yourselves that I hope that you do see the bigger picture and that other folks that are in your same situation that maybe can't deploy for whatever reason, that can't go physically to a disaster, that can't go to a house fire in DAT, they're not physically on scene, but they're supporting everyone that does. They're getting them trained. They're following up with them if they have a problem. They're making sure that they have the materials and the understanding before they deploy or go on a DAT call. Um, they, they know that they feel supported back home. And that's another piece of this bigger puzzle of, of kind of even going to mass care, which is what we're talking about now, right? It's, it's taking care of a large group of people. And internally, we have our own people that are, are taking care of others. So I think that that's so important to point out. And then lastly, I, I, another point that I just kind of want to reiterate with you or reiterate for those listening is what you talked about before is that when people are first coming into the Red Cross, they don't necessarily know exactly what it is that they want to do, right? You don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, you know they're not going to say, I want to do SAF. They don't even know what SAF is. You know, that's our, our acronym or I want to do DAT. Who even knows what DAT means and what that entails? So, you know, really talking about our two biggest things that the Red Cross does initially for our folks is sheltering and DAT. And I think those are two so important points because if you come in as a health services worker, I think it's important that you know sheltering. You're gonna be working with people in a shelter. If you do disaster mental health, 
Um, you know, if you do work in spiritual care, if you work in client casework, you very easily could be working in a shelter for all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're a DAP member and you're initially setting up a shelter where people are arriving, all of these kind of different points really comes back to our, our core thing it is that we do as mass care. And so I, I love Carol. Thank you so much for all you do. You really are such a, a, a core part of making this whole thing work, which is why workforce engagement is so important and 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 it's such a big picture and broad spectrum, but we are the ones supporting everyone else who can get up at two in the morning. I can't get up at two in the morning. I mean, I do get up at two in the morning to go use the potty, but that's about <laughs> all I get up at two in the morning for anymore. I, I get up at two in the morning and change diapers. Yes, yes. Um, so... <laughs> And, and and three in the morning and one in the morning yeah, and okay. four in the morning mm -hmm. uh sometimes 1 30 right depending on what they ate the night before <laughs> right yes um, but no yeah so so carol part of the show um part of what we do is we have things called mission moments where we get to share stories of you know some personal uh could be very big or very very small things that has happened to us uh, either before the Red Cross or during our volunteer experience that has really stood out of saying, this is why I do what I do. Um, this is why I keep, you know, talking to new volunteers. This is why I keep interviewing new volunteers and setting them on their path to, uh, to uh, you know, help those in need. Um, so just to, you know, not to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's a, do you have any mission moments? I guess the one that comes to mind right now is uh, last fall when we had the end of August and the you know four disasters back oh to back. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, I had never not been in. I was not in a position this position during a disaster that magnitude before. Yeah. Um, where all of a sudden we had all these new people coming in and mm -hmm. then they needed training and like every six hours national would come back and change guidelines <laughs> and we'd have to change things around for yeah. training and yeah. and um i i said during all that time um looking back i i uh, i finally took a day off of not doing anything on thanksgiving mm -hmm. uh from the end of august uh but uh, you know, again, I, I couldn't be the one to go out there and help the people in these awful, awful disasters, but my efforts got those people, some of my effort got them to uh, mm -hmm. uh, trained and then processed through. Uh, I met such wonderful people here in this state, uh, well, and all of our region here mm -hmm. that uh, wanted to give of their time and help others, you know, as a humanitarian effort. Um, so that is what comes to mind right mm -hmm. now. That's awesome. Yeah, just uh, for those of you who don't know, which I think 99.999% of all Red Crossers um, had heard of uh, this past fall with um, how many hurricanes, you know, a baker's dozen, something like that, right? With wildfires, we had Harvey, we had Irma, right, yeah. we had Maria, right, yeah. we had the Las Vegas shooting, we had, mm -hmm. um, my gosh, what didn't we have, right? It was pretty crazy. Wildfires followed by flooding. There was the Texas shooting shortly yes. after that. Yes. Um, and then, you know, day-to-day -day disasters, all in between there, fires still happen, you know, tornadoes still happen. I mean, 
across the country. It was, it was just, and I'm with you. I don't know that I took a day off for, I can't even tell you. I, I, I did take off around Thanksgiving time too. I was like, nope, that's it. Like my hands are clean. Mama needs a day off, but yeah, yeah, I'm right with you. And, and this goes out to all the listeners, which there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of listeners, right? Melissa. Hundreds. Um, thousands, I've thousands, heard. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pump the brakes on the thousands. We're not okay, quite there okay, yet, okay. but almost, almost. <laughs> but really, you know, for as for every volunteer that we deploy, um, there's several that don't that work behind the scenes to make that happen, right? Um, there's so much that gets done with, like Carol said. Hundreds and hundreds of new volunteers sign up, right? We have to train them. We have to coordinate the training. We got to communicate that. We got to manage their profiles, get all the administrative stuff done, ID badges, vests, uh, mission cards, you name it, right? Um, to be able to facilitate that one volunteer deploying. Um, and it's just, it's, it's kudos to people like Carol and, and others out there that, um, you know, will not only choose not to deploy, um, but work behind the scenes so somebody else can fulfill the mission, which is really just a cool bit to be a part of that. There's so much um, selflessness, right, at the organization that, that people will do that, right? Because if it were me, if I'm a volunteer, yeah, I'd put me on a plane. I'm going to fly and drive a herb and throw out water to people, right? <laughs> but And folks were working, you know, 10, 12, 14-hour days when they're on scene at, you know, Harvey, Maria, Irma, but then it's folks, Carol, I was right there with you. I mean, I I was at work at, at between 7 and 7.30 every morning, and I would, my eyes would flutter trying not to close at 9.30, 10, 10.30 at night, trying to send out my last email, make the last phone call, make sure the last person was taken care of until I knew that I could collapse and start it all over again the next morning. I mean, we're working just as many hours behind the scene. It takes a lot of effort. It takes that village. It takes so many to make this mission deliverable, to make this mission happen. And it is, you know, yeah, please, you're so important to the the whole the whole piece of the puzzle to to make sure that folks are out there delivering the mission. Mm-hmm. So I have um, um, a special gift uh, for Carol. Uh, one of my most amazing volunteers. Um, so for those of you that did deploy this past fall, you should have received um, hurricane pins, right? 2017, it says 2017 hurricanes. It's in the shape of a hurricane. It has a big red cross in the middle. Um, for those of you that went to Texas or Florida or Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands, right? Um, but like we talked about, there's hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that didn't deploy, that what we called stay deployment, right? Um, where they stayed back, but they facilitated hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people going, right? So um, to me, those people are just as important, right? Um, as the ones going themselves. So I'm going to present Carol with her very own 2017 hurricane pen. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Well deserved. So, so that is your first pen. Right? Yes, it is. That is your it, first deployment. I, I don't know much about the Red Cross pins myself yet, well, but this is my first. It's your first yes. pin. Carol, we should talk. I collect pins. I have a whole wall of them. I think they're the coolest thing that we have in the Red Cross. Congratulations. That's Thank you. Congratulations. That's a special moment. Well, um, with that, um, 
we just want to thank you for stepping in on the show and uh, um, thank you for um, you know even even though it's been only two years, um, the amount of people that you've impacted and helped in two years' time is remarkable. Um, so thank you for you know working long weeks, long hours, um, doing what you do, plus also everything else at home you're doing. <laughs> You really make my life 10 times more easier. You yeah, Thank you so much, Carol, for all you do. I mean, from, you know, from Luke and then just everyone else just across the Red Cross organization, it, it is absolutely volunteers like yourself um, that are so important. We need everyone during times of disaster and, and for giving new volunteers a great experience, right? Because you are. I mean, the amount of people that you're touching in a day is amazing. Um, and the offer still stands firm on the table if you would like to stay <laughs> ever of uh, Wisconsin and be my onboarding and placement regional lead. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I have lots and lots of pins. I can get you some oh. good ones. <laughs> okay, thank you. Quit poaching. Back yeah. She's mine. Thank you, Carol. Oh, no. you Thanks, Carol. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that was Carol Mitten, um, a volunteer here from Central and Southern Illinois, um, and uh, amazing volunteer. She right? is an amazing volunteer. You, you know what I've just realized? This is just like an, an epiphany that I've just realized right now. I've never known this before, right? But I should have because it's so apparent and obvious. Um, there's a lot of amazing, amazing people. Yeah. From from <laughs> well, specifically, there's a, a lot of amazing people from from Quincy, Illinois, including. Mm. Of course, yes. No, it. <laughs> you know what? I think that one of our guests should be a psychiatrist or psychologist. I think what do they call it? Where you're completely self-absorbed? What is it? I don't even know. But self um, being self-absorbed. I I don't know. Like I'd like to get a diagnosis on air <laughs> for you. <laughs> whatever it is going on. Yeah. About the wonderfulness that is Luke. I mean, you know, I I'm not all that wonderful, right? There's parts of me that aren't quite amazing, so. Like you have an ugly pair of shoes. I mean, that's, I can't think of, I'm not just, no, you, (laughs) Luke, are you, are you wearing ugly shoes now? No, describe them to to our listeners. So Luke is pointing his big foot in a camera that I can see. And he's wearing, he's wearing some boat shoes that are like maybe navy blue in color. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's lovely. They're, they're nice summer shoes. They are. I do like. I do like boat shoes as well. That's I won't. Right. I won't steer it wrong. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So with that, everybody, I thought I'd let you know. So Paul Sebbing, our first guest, before he left, um, he gave me a gift. He did. What is it? Let me see. So it's a T-shirt. Um, that says, on the back, it says "Road to Readiness," <laughs> and on the front. It says, I am so, with so being underlined, ready. Are you, question mark. Right, and that's for the readiness initiative that's going on? <clears throat> Somewhat. I mean, I told him that I might not wear it, but I told him that um, I was thinking about giving it to my wife, and that could be like her uh, bedtime shirt, you know? <laughs> Luke, I please, please do that tonight. And- is that a good one? Is that a good one? Yeah, please, please do that tonight, and then, <laughs> and then let me know what the response is tomorrow. I can tell you what I would say if my, if my husband gave me that. Yeah. Well, it was my wife's birthday yesterday, right? So I feel like this could be a good, 
you know, birthday plus one gift. Right. 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 Nothing screams happy birthday, wifey, like a T-shirt. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, you know, I'm just a really good husband, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you you are. I, and you know, I do. I want you to know just how wonderful you are, Luke. Yes. That's that's amazing. Thank you. And but really, we're having fun. This is a good time. Um, you know, I'm 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 not that normally self-absorbed, but just today, I don't know what it is. But Melissa, you bring out the best in me. What can I say? Yeah. No. I. I. Again. I think that you're. You're full of it. My waiters are not tall enough for what I'm waiting through, but I do appreciate the thoughtfulness. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um. Okay. So that was um my T-shirt with a hidden message. Um. So what's next, Melissa? Well, of course, as always, we're gonna go through some important updates, right? Okay. Yep. Um. So just a reminder out there, we're still pushing hard for Stossel. Right? Stazzle. sound the alarm, save a life. We just had um, one here in Madison. We had one in Milwaukee a week ago, and then this last Saturday we had one in Madison, which went phenomenal. Over 500 smoke alarms installed, um, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of people in planning. Uh, it's been great. It was over 700 in Milwaukee, over 500 in Madison, just wow. knocking it out of the park. So, yeah, they've Easy. done uh, – yeah, our – you know, those that planned it, um, our staff members, our volunteers, just everyone that was associated have been doing great. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, go to, if you want to uh, volunteer, you can talk to a workforce engagement or a staff member uh, within your chapter to get signed up and help install some smoke alarms for events that are going on near you. Uh, or you can go to redcross.org too, and I think find it as well that you can sign up and and register. And then folks that aren't necessarily associated with the Red Cross yet as well can also go there to help out during Stazel events. And also, also if you want or need smoke alarms, right, or you know of someone that does need smoke alarms, um, you can call your local Red Cross, or you can go to getasmokealarm.org. That's right. Yep. Getasmokealarm.org. You fill it out. It'll be sent to your local chapter. They'll get it. They'll reach out to you and they'll be like, hey, let's come by and install some smoke alarms. Right? That's right. Beep. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep. Hey. Hey. Also, did you watch, uh, did you know that we were on Jimmy Kimmel, the Wake Up Challenge? Did you see that? No, I didn't. Like, like not we as in Coffee with Clara, but uh, <laughs> no. across. So, I mean, I would just get on YouTube, search for it, everybody, but uh, it's actually pretty good. So uh, last week we were on um, – the American Red Cross had a special on Jimmy Kimmel where there's the wake-up challenge, right? Um, so, for, so for those of you that aren't familiar with the wake-up challenge, it's a challenge that the Red Cross um, initiated to challenge your, your family members by waking them up in the middle of the night to see if they can get out of the house in two minutes, right? That's so it's actually kind of funny on on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, they challenged a lot of their staff uh, for the show to to re- record them waking up their family members in the middle of the night um, with about a bunch of loud noise to see if they will get out of the house. And the majority of them uh, reacted how I would react um, if I was woken up in the middle of the night <laughs> and with just a look of just utter disgust and and confusion at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that maybe you know a, a few curse words, if n- not out loud, but definitely under the breath. Um, yep. yep. You know. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a, a good time. So yeah, feel free to check check it out. 
uh, just Google search Jimmy Kimmel Wake Up Challenge. Um, sure. and you'll be able to uh, have a few laughs, but also realize, hey, the Red Cross is out there, right? We're doing stuff. That sounds great. Maybe I will try that tonight. Like, I'll just get my pot and my spoon ready, or my pooper scooper, right? Those of you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll bang them together in front of all the doors and see if I can get them up and out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. All right. So that's all I had for important update with Stossel. Did you have anything else with that? Um, no. Okay. Uh, next important update, we just had a cross-connection release. Those of you that don't know what cross-connections are, uh, they are emails that are sent out about a whole bunch of new updates. Uh, you can get signed up uh, to receive them automatically. They'll go through all the different lines of business, um, you know, uh, service to the armed forces. Uh, they have some um, diversity information in there. And then they have updates for disaster cycle services, which include new classes. So speaking of mass care, the new kitchen site management class was just released, right? Yeah. Those of you that are old school, if you remember uh, the old kitchen class, they would like bring in sometimes if you wanted. It was like a big RV or something like a, a tractor trailer. Yep. And you literally practice being a kitchen and feeding mass amounts of people. And I don't know that this one is like that, but uh, this is the new a new class for kitchen site management, which is sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and um, actually in central and southern Illinois, uh, headquartered in Peoria, uh, we have one of those big semi-tractor kitchens. It's called Henry's Kitchen. Is right? it really? Yep, and it's it's one of the most fascinating sites that I've ever seen, and a lot of our volunteers have been trained on it. We haven't used it in a while, but um, it's so amazing to see, you know, you're talking about it's, it takes a village, right? Uh, an entire team is in that tractor trailer making meals, and they all have a certain job. They all have a certain role. Um, and, you know, they're able to streamline that and to just have the meals getting pumped out to to feed thousands of people a day, right? It's a pretty cool site. But Henry's Kitchen. Henry's Kitchen. Now, can Henry's Kitchen travel to Melissa's house so she doesn't have to cook dinner one night? <laughs> like, just roll up and just be, <laughs> you know kids like neighborhood like just you know what melissa now that we're on food um <laughs> this the next time i'm in lacrosse or the next time you're in quincy uh i will make you some of my world famous smoked brisket fabulous i um i can probably cook you a good t-bone steak we buy cows up here in wisconsin farm grass-fed well i'd rather have ribeye but T-Bone's fine. I, I love it. Did you did you see when you offered to do something nice? I was like, oh, that's really nice, Luke. And then I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do for you, Luke. And you're like, meh, not really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate the offer, though. That was very sincere. Um, but just to be transparent, you know, I'm more of a ribeye guy. More ribeye. Okay, understood. I'll okay. see what I got in my freezer. So, so I actually did over the weekend, it was a um, orange zest uh, mustard marinade, uh, smoked salmon on cedar planks. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So do you, do you in general just smoke everything? I, I mean, I do. My wife gets sick of smoked flavored foods, but um, normally, so I have a green egg, right? Oh, okay. I've heard of those. That's like a green egg. It's like the you know the Porsche or the Mercedes of grills. Just right. phenomenal thing. Um, and really, it's it's quite simple. It's just a big charcoal grill that's ceramic instead of metal. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, I, I've, I'm not the best griller, but I've tried to just screw stuff up on it, and I can't. Every time I just try to screw something up, it just comes out like a masterpiece, you know, whether it's smoked chicken or brisket or ribs. You know, I do pulled pork. Um, you know, I've smoked uh, cheese. Smoked cheese? I smoked my own cheese. Um, you know, you can smoke just about anything. I, I've, I've done pie. I've done cobbler, blackberry cobbler. It's amazing on the green egg. Um, so, yeah. Chili. I had chili before. Smoked chili. Stopped believing you after cheese. Like that. <laughs> just I'm just serious. I, I, I smoke everything. My wife um, sometimes gets frustrated with me, but but then I just smile and give her a wink and you know, she and then she loves me again. So I think she loves me anyway. And that's that's all it takes is for you to smile and wink. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I can understand. Yeah. What I love continuously, though, is that you keep saying, yep, I, I smoke everything. Like, I just can't get over that uh, that phrase. It just cracks me up. So, like, so, so to be clear, um, we are talking about food. We are talking about food. About food. And, you know, this is not going to be that podcast where we get shut down. No, I was talking about food. Like pies. Who smokes pies? Didn't you just say that? I smoke pie. Pie. You know pie. how I smoke pies? I leave it in the oven too long. <laughs> it's black on top. <laughs> That's how I smoke my pies. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, mass care, right? A big part of it's sheltering, but also it's feeding, right? So we're talking about Henry's Kitchen, green eggs, smoked pies. Um, but also there's reunification. Uh, for, right. So for those of you that aren't quite aware, um, whenever somebody checks into a Red Cross shelter, uh, we track that information. Okay, so if a loved one from across the country wanted to check on one of their family members or friends, we're able to connect those individuals to make sure, hey, this person's okay, they're safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess I want to just clarify something. So we don't keep track, we don't keep records like on file of, of who's all in there. We have a, a system that we utilize Yep. that they can put in their information basically like kind of like facebook um has had it it just so those of you that may be more familiar with kind of like social media mass communication like if something is going on you can check in facebook sometimes i think during times that you can say i'm safe it's yep. just like a little check thing this is what reunification is so like um, I remember during Hurricane Katrina to go back to it, and we have utilized this, obviously, you know, all the time we have these, but if you think about it, so many people got bussed out of uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and some went north to St. Louis, and some went west to Texas, and families were separated, and even just finding those people, and so this reunification process that we have is uh, by utilizing a system so we can connect people. Um, that and if you uh, a, a flash flooding happens and you have your father-in-law that is a diabetic or is living at home still that has Alzheimer's and you haven't been able to find them, um, part of that reunification is that we have uh, folks that will specifically work on something like that and, and try to help you figure out where your loved one is during yeah. those disasters. Yeah, and and good job, Melissa, to clarify. Yeah, it, it, it is totally confidential, right? So we're not going to post to the whole world that someone's in a shelter. That's not how it works. But it's really just, uh, you know, based on, you know, you, you, you saying, yes, if you were a client in a shelter and you get, you know, making sure you wanted to let your loved ones know, uh, we'll let your loved ones know that you're safe, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. Because, you know, it, if you have a disaster, that's the last thing on your mind that you want to have to go to is to contact everybody. You know, it's very much easier to just say, yes, you can mark my information here. I'm safe. So when, when they contact us, we can let them know. Well, not just that about not not even thinking about it, but I don't know if you're like me and the rest of the world is. I, if I had to leave the house without my phone, yes, I know my mom's phone number by heart. I know my husband's phone number by heart. I know my son's phone number by heart. Everyone else is in my phone. No idea. I would have to get it from somewhere attached to my, my email account, whatever it might be, get into a computer. I would be lost. And I know a lot of people are, are like that now. Like, you don't have to dial a number. You know, you just yeah. Bob and it dials Bob. Yeah, I know. I've never understood technology. It's it's fascinating. Totally it is. You know, it's pretty cool. Anyway, so that's mass care, right? So you got feeding. That's talking about Luke feeding people out of his green egg. Sheltering. That's Paul being amazing and and deploying and and working at a shelter and being a sheltered worker, right? Um, reunification is. Um, Melissa explaining the monstrosity that is communications and virtualness and all that amazing stuff. And then you have DES, right? Um, so I have a cool about D, a cool story about DES. Um, you know, which, a lot of, which which is well, twenty dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. There's your twenty dollars. I'll put it right here in the jar. There you go. Um, but no, so DES, Distribution of Emergency Supplies, that's a mouthful, I know. Um, anyway, so when I was in the Virgin Islands this past fall, normally I thought that distribution of emergency supplies were things like um, water, bug spray, rake, shovels. That's what we normally distribute here. But mm -hmm. things were so unique there in the Virgin Islands, we actually distributed generators, yeah. We actually distributed um, communication systems, and we distributed um, a lot of food items from FEMA and from our, some of our other partners that didn't have the resources that we did there, right? Um, so it was just cool that, you know, distribution of emergency supplies, um, there's really no limit to what you can distribute based on the needs of the population, Right. Yeah, we had um, a, a volunteer that stayed a month in Puerto Rico. He was yeah. amazing. I hope that I can get him on on one of our podcasts. Um, but he is uh, he was in Puerto Rico and, um, and and months later after it had hit and they were still driving up in the middle of nowhere that still had no power, no electricity and people that had medical needs, medical equipment that they needed to have a generator in order just to not be in danger of having a medical emergency. And so he talked a lot about uh, distributing these generators and they were solar power generators. Yep. Um, so you don't have to worry about gas and things like that. They were super cool. And his stories about people basically just embracing him like he's never been embraced before. I mean, mm -hmm. it just depends on the needs of the clients and what's happening and what the situation is. Um, every place is different. That's a yeah, it was very cool to hear the stories coming back from Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Yeah, it's just if if ever and I would highly recommend anybody if you're physically, mentally and emotionally able to um, to at least deploy once in distribution of emergency supplies, DES. Right. To me, it's the most mission fulfilling role. Uh, for the American Red Cross, um, because you're really going out into the community, you're going to someone's home, um, and, and and giving them physically 
um, emergency supplies that they can survive off of. Because if you didn't, they wouldn't have them, right? Right. Um, and just the amount of uh, thank that you get, and and you're able to truly see the need, right? Because when you go to a shelter, you don't necessarily see the homes they're coming from, right? But if you go to their yeah. home directly, uh, you see how much the need is, and 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 how thankful people are, and it's um, pretty cool. Pretty yeah. Cool. Right. Yeah, I would agree. You know, um, yeah. So I kind of want to touch on, you know, talking about mass care and what we're doing and you talking about deploying. I do want to just kind of talk to everyone because, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Hawaii's in the news right now yep. doing a lot of mass care, people going to shelters, not knowing when or if they'll ever be able to go back. Right. All this volcano yep. has to do is shift. And there's thousands more people that are going to lose their homes. So um, part of this comes with when we have bigger disasters like this, and Luke, you had just said it, you know, if you do have the opportunity to deploy at least once, even in, you know, distribution emergency supplies, but in general, um, we're getting, we're in, not we're getting to, we're in severe weather season. Yep. We have a volcano going on. Uh, hurricane season is around the corner. We are approaching what we deem busy season, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are interested in deploying, a uh, couple things, and this is a good, important update, couple things that you need to know about this. First off, you need to have a gap, a group activity position in your profile. If you don't have one, you're not going to, your, uh, the functionality of your volunteer connection account, you're not going to see the buttons that you need to see in order to press it to say you are available. So if you, if you don't have a gap, you, you know, talk to a staff member, workforce engagement, another volunteer, someone else about what you need to do to get yourself a gap. Yep. Step number one. Step number two, once you have a gap, you need to go to your disaster responder availability button in your volunteer connection profile. You can find it under the my profile feature that you have. Yeah. Um, the first few second tab in in your volunteer connection account. Um, make sure that you are putting dates in the system. You'll see four sets of boxes. You can put in three months at a time, three months at a time. And then now right next to that, you can mark during that time if you're available for state. So basically within your region, nationally, meaning that you are uh, wanting to go on a national assignment. You want to travel outside of your, your regional boundaries or virtual, right? We talked to yeah. Carol. I mean, there's folks that... You, we have uh, casework call centers. When we have someone like Harvey, there's so many different types of assistance that we're having. Virtually, you can take phone calls, you can support others, you can uh, troubleshoot, you can provide information, and you get to mark in there if you would be available for national, virtual, or state. Um, so you need to put those dates in the system. That is what is going to generate a phone call to you to say, hey, you're ready to go. We've got this opportunity. And if there's a need that fits the gap that you're trained and qualified for and you're listed with current dates and listed as national, you're going to get a phone call from your region that's going to say, hey, can you do you have two weeks available, which is the minimum time. Two weeks availability is a deployment. Um, we do cover we provide mission cards. We cover your airline travel. Uh, your lodging is taken care of once you're there. Um, you know, if you have any other questions, we have lots and lots of people that can help you through it. Ask anyone in your region, they'll help walk you through it. But this is the time. And like Luke said, if you can deploy, uh, greatly needed. If you can stay in mark that you would be available for virtual help, greatly needed. All it takes everyone across the board to make this happen. 
There's my rant. Melissa, I literally could not have said it better myself. You are the most amazing workforce engagement manager on the planet. And I look up to you so much um, for all of your knowledge and all of your vastness. I mean, I know I play this character um, on the show as being, you know, kind of self-absorbed and that sort of thing. But really, I'm not at all. I know you're not, Luke. And that's a very nice thing because I know it's genuine. But right back at you. I look up to you a lot, too. You're always teaching me something and you're amazing at what you do. Well, hey, you can't look up to me if I'm looking up at you. (laughs) If if, If we're both looking up at each other, we're not looking at each other. <laughs> no, we're we're not looking. I just I don't even know what to say about that, Luke. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, so virtual isn't that cool, right? Like to think, like even right now, for all that our listeners know, I could be like just chilling at home in my bed, you know, with shorts and a t-shirt on, just sipping mimosas, right? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. But I could be. Not that you should do that on a virtual assignment. However. <laughs> right. It's nice to have that flexibility uh, to be at home, to not leave the comfort of your own home. But also right. think about how 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 much um, can you save on the donor dollar, right? Instead of the cost of airline tickets, hotel, feeding somebody for two weeks, you can stay at home, right? So the organization saves money to be able to provide more money to clients. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty cool, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. It's evolving all the time. They've already, you know, the virtual feature that you can now mark in your profile um, is is a new one as well. Hey, there's another new feature in Volunteer Connection too that that folks can can identify in their profile um, if they have if you are traveling or uh, what is it if you if you have if you the the accommodations accommodations yeah talk to me do you. Yeah, so I'm normally I, I I would ask you these questions. Um, so, but if I'm put on the spot, I think it's a section where volunteers can go on their volunteer connection account to to put some specific accommodations they need in order to deploy. Right. So yeah, it could be electricity. It could be a CPAP. It could be you know uh, they need a walker or they need a certain type of bed, um, something like that different from the health status records, right? So this allows the staffing on the disaster scene at the DR, which is disaster response, disaster relief. Disaster relief operation DRO. Yeah, yeah. So on on the DR, uh, and I'm not putting $20 in the (laughs) curse jar, um, but so it allows the DR to to realize um, I need to get this stuff ready for this specific person. So that way when you get there, you have it, you have what you need, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a good way for us to be, um, you know, uh, to, to be able to provide that for our volunteers. So that way there's not any issues. Uh, I know I heard a lot of stories about people doing this for Sandy. Um, Rena was telling me about it um, to where when volunteers deployed to Sandy, they were able to actually get a lot of these things ahead of time because they knew these people that were coming, they needed these things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's a, that's the a recent kind of um, enhancement to volunteer connection. I was really, really impressed when I saw it. So that's something that everyone can go in and fill out on their own in yeah. their own profile. And that sure. way, if you do deploy, then it gives staffing yet another um, way, as you said, to get, get themselves ready for your arrival. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I went in there and put, 
um, that that I'm uh, I require a large amount of ribeyes. <laughs> so, so <laughs> at any point in time, I need to I I can't be too far away from ribeyes, right? Because once I start to get a craving, there's a time limit to where I have to go, you know, have my steak medium rare and eat it possibly with a baked potato. Possibly. possibly. You're, you're willing to flex that a little that's, bit, possibly that, with that's a baked possible, potato. But um, anyway, so, um, but seriously though, accommodation section, it's it's great. Um, but you, you mentioned Volcano. Yeah. Right? Um, do you know... Do you know the greatest volcano emergency management movie of all time? Was it called Volcano? It was. It was with uh, with uh, Tommy. Tommy Lee Jones, right? right? Where he was actually able. This I, I I don't know how scientifically they did this. Um, he was actually able to stop lava from a volcano, setting up a barricade of concrete blocks with tipped over fire trucks and the firefighters were holding it and bracing it right and then they were shooting water on it you, do you remember that scene yes luke i remember it was <laughs> i do remember that scene totally yeah amazing. great movie tommy lee jones he's like the emergency manager of all emergency managers he right. was it was for yeah los angeles it was really a great movie it's from like 1994 three six eight i don't know but yeah he also blew up a building um, to, to divert, to divert the, the lava as well that his daughter and yeah, I won't, I don't want to be a spoiler alert. It's just watch it. It's kind of like San Andreas with the rock. How about that? That's, That's right. a good comparison. San Andreas is a modern version of volcano. It is. Um, it is. Baby. That's my guy. That's your guy. Yes. I liked him as Two-Face in Batman. That's my superhero of choice. Yeah. What was he in with Wesley Snipes? Where he was like the U U.S. Marshals. Remember that? U.S. Mm. Marshals. You remember I that? saw that one. No. No. I like Tommy Jones. Two-Face, though. That was a good That was a good reference. I That's like awesome. It. I, I'm a Batman girl. What can I say? All right. Well, oh, speaking of Batman, have you seen uh, the new Avengers? Did you see the no, new Avengers? No, not yet. No spoilers. I'm waiting. Okay. My son is super so, excited. Yep. Yeah, my wife and I saw it this past weekend. Um, she mainly wanted to go see it because of Thor, right? Tall, Who does it? That's why I'm going. Long blonde hair. I mean, I'm like, well, honey, you have a not so tall bald man with not as big <laughs> muscles at home, right? I don't know why you would ever want someone like Thor, but anyway, so we went and saw it. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, I'm excited. We're um, having all boys in the house. You know, we've always been a superhero family, and so. Yeah. We each like cash in my son. He really loves Spider-Man. I love uh, Batman. Um, Iron Man was my husband. Like we all kind of have our own favorite yeah. superhero. I like Batman because he's got all the cool gadgets. I mean, let's face it. They're all cute. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. There's no sore, sore eyes there. No. But Batman has the gadgets. Like you want someone to fix your computer, go to Batman you, you, or Iron Man, or I, I suppose. Man. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was a good it was a good movie. So I would recommend anybody to go see that on a nice little Friday night or Saturday night date night or something, right? It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of like what's new in in the world outside Red Cross. You got movies, <laughs> right? There's we... stuff going on in Hawaii, which that still relates to us. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you know, 
Melissa. Yes. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we talk about feeding, right? Um, what, I'm, I'm going to quiz you, right? Gosh, I knew this was going to come back to haunt me one day. Go ahead. I'm going to quiz you. So, what was my favorite food growing up as a kid that I will still, to this day, make four or five of these with a big old glass of milk and just be totally satisfied in life. Is this something you've already told me? No. I don't think you've ever told this to me. No, this is a quiz. <laughs> no, look, I don't think that you understand quizzes. Like, how am I supposed to know what, I mean, what it's, you... It's called me setting you up for failure. <laughs> so, so you say, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so it's peanut butter and jelly. Oh, that's <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Absolutely. And jelly. Going back to food. Feeding. Mass care. Right. So, but I mean, to, that makes sense to me, right? When people come to a shelter or if, 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 if we're doing feeding, um, there's a lot of vegetarians out there, right? Yep. I mean, I'm kind of like the opposite. I require lots of ribeyes, but there's people that, you know, don't want to or can or choose not to eat meat, which is perfectly fine. Right. Yep. That means more meat for me. I'm, I'm okay with that. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so that's a way that we, that we can accommodate that need of giving them, you know, maybe some PB and J. My son has in his lunchbox every day. God, I love PB and J. Um, so with that, um, any other updates you got for the show? That's it. I think that we're done. I do want to remind people uh, to follow us on Twitter. Right. Just look for coffee with Clara. Um, we went loop from last time. We had 16 followers and we have 30 now. Oh my gosh. I know. That's yeah. almost double. It is. So I'm hoping for another 15, 20, maybe 30, if we can double it again. I really, you can go and put your mission moments in there. Yep. Just follow us, check us out. We're here for you. Ask us questions, please. What do you want to know about? What can we clarify for you? This is about you the volunteer. That's who we're here for. That's right. And it would be great to know if you guys want me to talk about smoking meat and my green egg and brisket. I can do that all day. And we can honestly change that podcast to maybe like half of it's Red Cross. Half of it is like a grilling show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. No, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna veto the grilling show. But thank you for, for, uh, all right. for offering. No problem. No problem. So with that... I bid you adieu, everybody. Everyone, thank you for listening, tuning in. Thank you for listening. And speaking of peanut butter and jelly, you know what time it is, don't you? I, I do. What? What time is it? What? what time is it? It's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. All right. See you later, everybody. Catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Have a great day.